My, my, uh, my favorite things are the check-ins. I just wish we could do our class on the check-in and see how everybody's doing and what's going on in your life. And um, today we're going to be focusing on um, exploring meditation traditions. Um, the title of your handout says, Catching Your Breath is Often the Only Break You Get During the Day. Uh, it's kind of a punny little joke, but there's lots of um, handouts that I gave all of you because there's so much that encompasses the idea of exploring meditation traditions. Um, I loved all of the things that you all said when you checked in because this is such a personal experience, meditation, and uh, um, life is all about different experiences and really about how we respond wisely to them. And um, yoga, in and of itself, the practice, what we're coming to the mat for, um, is defined as what? Anybody? You said what is the definition of yoga? Yeah. Union to yoke? Union to yoke, right? So it, the idea, and I wrote these little notes today after I saw my yogi tea, so I just wanted to share them with you. If yoga is all about that unifying and the yoking, um, you're really balancing your energies. And you're balancing the pain and the suffering and your experiences in life to find harmony and ease, health and contentment. Um, and when we um, come to the meditation cushion, we're cultivating mindfulness in everything that we do. We're cultivating our experiences. And it plants the seed, but we have to nurture it. Have you ever heard that meditation is habitual practice? It truly is because um, with your breath, with your smile, with your kindness to others, meditation is a joyful moment-to-moment -moment awareness practice. But we always have to remember, and this was my yogi tea tab today, or my little uh, fortune on my yogi tea, was to be kind to others, but always be compassionate to yourself. And that's really why we're here today. Is <coughs> because we all come from different places and different experiences. But if we're not really, really meditating, we're not really, really relaxing. We're not practicing what yoga is actually all about. How many of you um, have read the Yoga Sutras yet? Because I know we got a bunch of different groups in here right now. So I'll be teaching the Yoga Sutras, and so we had a very tiny amount of people who've actually read the Sutras. Did you know that the Sutras, or kind of like the lessons that we learn in those 196 aphorisms, have nothing to do with the physicality or the movement of the practice? And it's really all about uh, um, uh, principles for right living. So truly... One of the things that we really have to remember is our culture, our Western culture has created um, yoga as like the end all be all and that's like what it is all about is the movement and looking really cool in your Instagram pictures. But actually what we're here for is to learn how to meditate, to learn how to ground ourselves from our experiences, which is part of that mental mind stuff, to be able to be really kind to others to be able to be really present in moments of our lives versus stuck in other places. Um, the real reason that we meditate is so that we don't 
be the um, antagonist of our life, you know? Okay, we're done now. <laughs> um, so there are 144 minutes in a day, and if each moment is really a gift, then we need to kind of use meditation and mindfulness practices to give us the benefits on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level that we um, sometimes uh, forget that are right here in front of us, but we don't really uh, use the tool all the time. Does that make sense? Um, a lot of myths to the idea of meditation, right? You need to wear a robe, you need to sit in lotus position, you need to, um, if you can't clear your mind that you're not meditating. I loved when Steph said that she does walks, you know, or is out in nature, because that's a form of meditation, right? I like, like, um, some people have checked in and said at other times, uh, I, I give hugs to people. That's a freaking form of meditation, right? I stop at the stop sign when I'm driving, and instead of moving forward, I take three deep breaths, and then I go. That's a form of meditation. Speaking of that, you know who honked at me yesterday when I was doing that? Who? A cop. <laughs> a cop. I didn't move fast enough, I guess. But, uh, you know, there's so many different forms of meditation, and that's why today we're going to really focus on exploring the idea of um, meditation and meditation traditions. But your breath is truly, truly, truly an everyday moment-to-moment -moment awareness practice. A breath is a meditation. Your breath is your mantra. So if you say that you don't meditate or you can't figure out how to get your mind to calm down or you feel like... Um, you are really having a poopy day. Are you breathing? That's a huge, huge thing to really make aware to people who think that you do need the robe or you do need to wear the white clothes or have a turban or you need to, you know, like um, be kind of uh, uh, taught how to do something. We already meditate and we don't even realize it. When's the happiest time of your lives? What's a happy moment for you? Someone say sleeping. Okay, sleeping, right? Okay, sleeping. Reading a good book. Being out on the lake, right? That water, right? Feeling that kind of like really nice sensation. Um, playing with a pet. That's why a lot of people are getting therapy pets. There was an article in like the BBC today about like a lot of college students are getting notes for therapy cats. You're a therapist, so you get it, yeah. But it's fascinating, right? Our world bombards us with cuckoo crazy Cocoa Puffs all day long. Our attention span now is about seven seconds. We all have adult ADD. Um, let's see, what else? In um, 1929, there was a, a doctor named Jacobson, which you probably have seen this book. I don't know if anybody else is a therapist in the room. But um, there was a book about progressive muscle relaxation. Relaxation, the word relaxation became, and relax, don't do it. <laughs> but the idea, the word relax, actually was very trendy in the 70s. Maybe they were doing drugs, but transcendental meditation got really huge in the 70s. 
Just like wellness is the catchphrase and a $3.7 billion business right now. So you guys are all in the perfect place to bring relaxation back into our lexicon. And that's what breath work is. That's what meditation is. And that's what we're going to explore today. We're going to um, practice probably a walking meditation, which is super fun. We'll practice a seated meditation. And then we'll do like a, um, a, a progressive body scan. Sound good? In my handouts here, I have all kinds of things. I even have who said they do an app or downloaded an app, right? Okay. So if you've tried it, yes. Is it the guy with the sexy voice on Headspace? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I changed um, Siri to be a, an Australian guy. He kind of sounds like the Headspace dude. But you always need like that soothing voice. Um, yeah, there's lots of... I even gave you a list of um, uh, apps that you can start trying. So why don't we look into... Um, uh, your handouts for one second. Um, we're going to go through the first page, start, starts talking about the definition of meditation, and then we've got some different types and styles. I gave you a list of names for people who have really cool books, links to meditation centers in Minneapolis. I'm cruising through this, and then we'll go back through it again in a second. I even gave you um, internet links to resources. Um, apps for your phones, and then I talk about the benefits of meditation, and I even um, kind of talk about um, um, how to meditate, that to dial down the chaos of life or your monkey mind, that, you know, to start that inner fire and reduce your worry and anxiety, you don't have to do it in a particular way, and that's why we're going to try all these different exercises and then I even give a little way to create your own meditation story, whether you're working for adults or kids. Um, how's that for some good handouts? Um, research is showing that meditation is uh, restoring the brain. Uh, at Massachusetts General, General Hospital, they found that as little as eight weeks of meditation not only help people feel calmer, but also produce changes in various areas of the brain, including growth in the areas associated with memory, empathy, sense of self, and stress regulation. That's pretty interesting, huh? How many of you have heard of MBSR? That's kind of the gateway drug for people who are like non-yogis and don't know anything about it. It's called mindfulness-based stress reduction. Someone offers something similar to that here. They have courses at, at the university. It's a very interesting way right now that doctors who follow a man named John Kabat-Zinn, J-O-N, he's on your list of names, uh, K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N, he wrote a book that if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. As you can tell, I like words. Um, it, uh, but it's called The Full Catastrophe Living. It's a really cool book. Did you know you can meditate while eating? Who eats sometimes in front of the TV or the computer because you don't have a TV? Yeah? Mm -hmm. Who feels really good after eating that way? Maybe, sometimes, I don't know. 
There's a great way to uh, eat, even, mindfully. So eating, you'll really notice when you're chewing the food and eating, and I don't bring like, uh, sometimes uh, in these classes I'll bring like nuts or raisins and we can practice it or chocolate, but then I usually end up having someone with an allergy, so it just causes trouble. So we'll just talk about it. But you can actually practice eating slower. There are Zen centers you can go to where, and you can experiment this with this maybe tonight, Fill only a bowl up with food, right? Sit down, looking out your, um, you know, where your eating area is, your window, and just look out the window as if it's a snow globe and watch it. Observe what's going on as you eat. And with each spoonful of food, mindfully eat your food and try and chew it, you know, a certain amount of times before you just gulp it down. And it's amazing to see, A, how much more you see out just a simple window, how much slower you eat your food, and how much fuller you become because you're not just gulping it down really super fast, which is usually what happens when we're running about and don't have enough time. So maybe that could be your fun homework little project is to try doing a silent eating practice. I've also experimented it with family, you know, like with people around me. And it's really, really interesting because then you hear the clinks and you hear the gulping or the sound of someone when they take the fork out of the mouth or put the fork in the mouth. Um, and in this silent space, it's really, really fascinating how you're eating with other people but when you talk about it after creating like this really awesome conversation, you realize you all had the same experience. But it's so different, the way that it was perceived by each person. You could have been like, oh my God, did you hear me when I burped? Or when, you know, like, like that person, you realize all of a sudden that, oh, it really bugs me when you hear someone chewing. You know, you start to be much more observant and witness and notice things. And that is the key to yoga. What is prana or to meditation? What's prana? Energy? Life force? Yeah. What's pranayama? Work out of the life force. So breath, pranayama. But it's interesting. So pranayama, like if you kind of go into the definition pra, the smallest essence, the smallest atom of something, right? And then you go into the idea of yama, which is a little bit more. It's not just like, oh, prana is my life force and it's the smallest atom. So now all of a sudden I've become a quantum physicist. And then yama is all about mastery or control. It's almost like you're restraining. It's a breath ratio practice. So when you're practicing pranayama, in this idea of mastery or control, you step back and you witness and you observe instead of trying to like uh, just let it come and go and flow. Pranayama then becomes a really, really intense practice of meditation. And you're controlling that mindfulness practice. 
So when you do breath ratios on the mat, say you're in Ashtangi and you take five deep ujjayi breaths in each pose, you're practicing pranayama. Say that you are um, trying to calm yourself down so that you decide to take a two-to-one ratio breath and you do eight, inha- uh, uh, eight exhales to every four inhale count. So you start to learn these little meditation tricks that come up in your vinyasa practices, in your, um, you know, your life practices. Um, even runners practice a form of pranayama. All they're doing is meditating. It's just a more physical experience, right? Doing okay so far? Cool. So if research is showing that meditation is restoring the brain and it's doing all of this good stuff, remember, yogis already knew this thousands and thousands of years ago, that our nadis, our little flowing rivers of energy, sometimes can get jammed or polluted or stuck or disconnected. And in order to create the connections, we have to come back to this really restorative space of mindfulness and I love um, the idea of in the front sheet of your handout the definition of mindfulness the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness in the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings thoughts and bodily sensation used as a therapeutic technique So you're noticing without judgment, you're observing the breath, and you're witnessing things instead of trying to become things. Does that make sense? Have you ever heard a teacher, it's really hip right now, people are saying, well, I'm dropping into awareness, or I'm settling into myself. No? Oh, it just must be the people I hang out with. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of yoga facilities uh, around the nation that are starting to talk about how our practice will help you drop into awareness, right? They're talking about the physicality of it. But when you start to really meditate, it, you, you become more aware, more tuned in. And that childlike wonderment, that awesomeness of it, can, can, can be evoked through any tradition, you know? You just have to find your right size. Um, it's kind of like granimals, showing my age. Anybody ever grow up with granimals, yeah, right? Man. And you got to go into the store, and you got to match the animals, but there were all different ones that you could match with and create your own outfits, <laughs> So it's not a one, meditation isn't a one size fits all. You have to do it this way. You have to find what resonates. Walking outside, doing an app, reading a book, hugging your best friend, having your therapy pet, and just stroking them and, and being able to let their rhythm calm you down. That's, that's, it's, that's what's happening. Jen? Yeah. Do you think Shavasana is meditation? Yes. I, I mean, in some ways, a lot of, yeah. You can lay down and meditate for sure. Mm-hmm. 
There are meditation practices, if anybody's ever tried this before, where you literally go through the phases of corpse pose. Like, <laughs> I like your looks. I can't look. Okay. Um, the, um, I'm, a, a, I'm a body. And then now I'm going to focus on my body decomposing. Oh. And the worms. Yes. Sorry, Barb. And then your body becoming dirt. And then your body becoming one with the earth. So were you really a form or were you an essence? Your breath is the rhythm of your heart. The rhythm of the heart is the beating of your soul, your essence, right? And when we tap into the rhythm of our heartbeat, that's the magic of, 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 of meditation and mindfulness. So yes, I do believe that Shavasana is a form of that. How many people practice yoga nidra? Right? So that self-hypnosis practice of yoga nidra is, is deep sleep. Relaxation. So if our nadis, our little flowing rivers of energy through our body get restricted, and, um, and, and now scientists are calling that the nervous system and the central nervous system, what happens in your body, what, what hormone is produced that gets you to a stage of fight or flight? Right. So if you're not breathing properly, what happens? Your, your cortisol production starts to elevate and you stay in that animal brain. So if your nadis and flowing rivers of energy are really, really calm and you are breathing properly, um, what, what hormone is produced in your body? It affects your parasympathetic nervous system, so your autonomic nervous system, and your serotonin starts to be produced in your body. Serotonin is the happy hormone, and that hormone in turn allows you to really calm down. So yoga nidra, or a form of shavasana, where you're in this state of self-hypnosis, it's, it's like a progressive muscle relaxation practice, um, or a body scan that actually secretes melatonin from what yogis call this part of their body. What's this? The third eye. So when people feel their third eye open or they feel something starting to awaken, what could actually be feeling is their, um, I, I can't remember if it's the pineal gland or the pituitary gland that's behind right here, that's starting to release melatonin and create this more relaxed, get your groove on feeling. Because it gives a vibe off. Hmm. So another definition of yoga, which had a great response to, is what I like to think of is, I'm just trying to find the clock. Yoga is the art and science of the body-mind connection. So if we think about it, you guys are getting a master's degree in um, uh, neurology as you're studying yoga because you're learning all about the science and the way that the body works. If we can reframe our breath, and like the title of your thing says, if we can quote-unquote catch our breath, you don't have to physically practice yoga anymore. 
your body comes into homeostasis. Your body will be exactly what it needs to be because you are allowing yourself to practice that moment-to-moment awareness practice. To me, that's cool shit. What I think is so amazing about that is because when you allow that life that we live in, which is 247, right, and we're always on, um, how can you be yourself? Or how can you truly um, rejuvenate your spirit, you know? How can you um, uh, be... I want to say a, a little swear word, unfuck with ability. <laughs> and that's kind of what happens when you really practice meditation. You learn how to zoom in so you can focus, right? And be hyper attuned. But you also zoom out because you're gaining so much more perspective. Have you ever seen that cool book? It's called Zoom. Starts with that, with a picture, and then you realize it's part of a bigger picture, part of a bigger picture. Uh-huh. And as you and turn it, the page, yeah, as you turn the page, it's a just, it was a picture on the side of a bus, then the bus was on a billboard, which was on, a, you know, and then I don't know, it was yeah, Andrew on the moon or something, you know, yeah, from yeah, the moon. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Because do you ever feel like, oh my God, this is only happening to me, this pain, this suffering, this quagmire that I'm caught in this cycle and then you just like are stuck and you just feel like oh woe is me and you just want to curl up under a rock we all have the same experiences but we're so caught up in that minutiae of the moment that we don't give ourselves time to step back and breathe and really gain that fresh perspective that's your superpower that unfuck with ability is meditation and it's fun to say it. <laughs> Jen, you, I just saw in yeah. the list you have a name called Osho. Yes, Osho. Mm-hmm. He is almost a scientist who had come up with many mm-hmm. meditation techniques. And mm-hmm. one that I've been very impressed with. And he's kind of a radical. He's not in the same frame as any of these. Mm-hmm. He doesn't follow the rules. My so his, favorite kind. There's a meditation called dynamic meditation mm-hmm. in which his philosophy is he's saying it takes 50 minutes to prepare body for meditation and last 10 minutes is where you get the opportunity to go into meditation because you're trying to throw all the garbage out mm-hmm. and doing meditation the way they used to do 2,000 years ago or 500 years ago doesn't work now Mm-mm. because we have evolved into a very complex being mm-hmm. and just sitting and saying om you can do it you can relax but you won't get where you need to it's very hard mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a common man mm-hmm. a common person mm-hmm. to do that yeah. and uh, just just thought share with yeah you no that's that. fantastic and that's <laughs> why i think because we do we are such a complex machine in order to get those subtle refinements um if you do practice yoga, right, if that's your way to get yourself to those last 10 minutes, I think that's why our culture so much likes the movement 
because it gets you grounded. It gets you to like burn off the toxins. It's a different way than he right. prescribes it. But then you get into Shavasana and all of a sudden you're like, dude, did you have that same thing? Because Shavasana is supposed to be held for at least 10 minutes or more. How many people take a practice and get along with Shavasana where they practice? Most people like they are like they give you two minutes to really, really kind of get there. But the best thing to do is to have the teacher leave the room and the student stays in as long as they need to. Because that's when the magic happens. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. So having said that, if you're offering a meditation class for beginners, mm -hmm. an intro to meditation, mm -hmm. where is the sweet spot? 45 minutes or 60? To put your tush to the kush? Yeah, to get them. Because I've done just some group meditation with friends for 30 minutes, like during the work day, kind yeah. of like a break, lunch break thing. And, you know, kind of that whole thought, you know, it takes so long to come down and ground, mm -hmm. it almost seems like, I mean, they could, they'd love to sit there for two hours. If yeah, they could. yeah. So, yeah, is there a kind of a sweet spot for beginners? Is it 45 to 50? Of movement? No. Or of, of actually meditating? Meditating, seated movement, and then going into yeah. meditation. I don't know if there's a right answer to that. That's a great question. I think the thing is, is you just have to kind of experiment it with yourself and see. Most our, our lives move so fast right now that we don't have the same amount of time, say, like in an office or unless you're going to go on a retreat or work shop for it where you're really going to be able to feel the benefits right away. Yeah, so I try to get them grounded immediately <laughs> with, you know, position, breath, you know, to try to just get in the body as quickly as mm -hmm. possible w without feeling rushed. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like, yeah, 30 minutes is definitely not enough. It's like the tipping point is more closer to 45. Mm -hmm. But yes. Yeah. You guys want to get in your body real fast? Sit in a comfortable position. So to me, um, and this is, uh, you know, John Kabat-Zinn says this a lot, uh, yoga uh, is a great movement practice, right? But the yoga is to create balance and harmony and get rid of the pain and suffering. So it's kind of a great way for our culture to settle in. But a really important thing about what we're learning is pragmatic resiliency training. Have you ever heard that before? Resilient. So we're trying to, um, just like how I started this off, we're trying to learn how to respond wisely to things versus reacting to them. Most people that you're around do not embody their body. Look at Barb. So awesome. They don't. You told us to get it. No, I like it. I appreciate it. No, yeah, no, it's just beautiful. That's why. Um, so, but most people like are like you might see them, but they're not inhabiting their body. Have you ever experienced that? Mm -hmm. Do you have friends who talk to you, but they go like this as they're talking to you, no. right? So they're on the phones, or you have friends who talk to you, but they're going like this and writing or like looking at something else, right? Everybody's just so busy that they're not really embodying their body. So part of why yoga is such a great thing in our culture is because it makes you feel things, right? We don't feel things anymore. 
Cross your arms the way you normally do. Okay, take a couple deep breaths. You can even close your eyes. You don't have to look at your people. Okay, now relax your arms. Cross your arms the other way. <laughs> Whoa. Feel what you feel. Notice it, Mary, you're funny. Observe it. Sense it. And now relax and just let go. What did the second one feel like? Wrong. Wrong. A lot more comfortable, actually. Really? Yeah. So you're ambidextrous. Okay, interesting. I didn't even know how to cross them. Right? You didn't know how to do it. It's like, I think this note is right? the same. I just did it that way. Yeah. yeah. It flipped the switch, though. It made you have to come back into awareness. because, And then you were like, ooh, it doesn't feel right. Anybody else have any sensations? Me. Anxiety-producing. Yes, right? Me too, every time. Yeah, there was that echo. like, how long are we going to hold this? Because I really don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you started to feel your feels. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want you to think about your meditation practices is that like like you tuned in right away. But then instead of like getting your mind to run off and feel anxious, how can you use your breath to drop in? Oh, it doesn't feel good. Why doesn't it feel good? What's actually happening? <clears throat> Dive a little bit deeper. Breathe into it, you know? And I think like we always want the big O. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, in our culture, um, we always want things really fast. Bigger, better, best, the big O. Orgasm. <laughs> right? We want that, like, right away. But that's not actually what it's about. We want to, like, slowly ease into it and really be present for every single second. So it shouldn't just happen really fast. It's going to take time if that answers your thing. It's just going to be whatever it is. But there are little tricks that you can do to get yourself to ground down really fast. Um, if we have our nadis, our flowing rivers of energy, start to move up to the central channel, and that's our central nervous system, our central nervous system is connected to what? Our brain. Yeah? So if our brain has a right and a left hemisphere, we can easily get back into our body-mind connection by doing something as simple as, uh, uh, like alternate nostril breathing, that's a huge one or just going right hand opposite knee. So you're going uh, left to right, right to left. So some, some um, uh, dynamic opposition poses that draw you to the midline and bring you back to your feelings and bring you back to the center that integrate the hemispheres of the brain. Because if we are trying to um, yoke our mind, usually we're in one hemisphere versus the other. So part of yoga, and um, there's lots of schools of thought or studios that use the word equanimity. You know, how you're trying to, trying to find that balance. That means your brain has to be more integrated. So maybe you're just a higher state of consciousness than most of us if that didn't feel weird. <laughs> well, it's yeah. almost like the first exercise felt grounding mm -hmm. and com comfortable, and then I almost anticipated then the other, I don't know. Yeah. 
if you are starting to get more evolved and are more aware and more dropped in and tuned in, then that shouldn't feel weird because then you're really practicing meditation. So if we turn now to the beginning of your, um, your uh, handouts, the first sheet after it talks about the definition of meditation, it talks about the idea of um, meditation traditions and styles. So there's um, insight meditation, Tergar, Shambhala, Buddhism. There's um, mindfulness vipassana practices. Have you ever heard of people who take like 10-day um, retreats and can't talk and they don't have a roommate and they only can talk to the leader at certain times and stuff? It's pretty fascinating if you've ever done that. Um, <clears throat> and then there's um, Zen or Zazen, which is another seated meditation practice um, where it's very similar to the Vipassana, but it's a little bit more intense, a little bit more um, like um, rigid. Does anybody practice that kind? I don't want to offend anybody. When they start off sometimes with new people, they have you sit near a wall. So say that this was the wall and I'm meditating. Um, you always know you're doing the right thing because if you fall asleep, your head hits the wall and then you get to be present again. <laughs> and they're known for having these little sticks to keep their students awake. So that's an interesting kind. There's a metta or loving-kindness meditation where you're um, uh, having goodwill or enmity towards all living things, starting with oneself and expanding the um, compassion outwards. There's heartfulness meditations, which is a um, raja yoga practice that uh, is uh, very interesting. Mantra, how many people have practiced mantra meditation? So your breath is a mantra, and uh, if you allow yourself to um, tap into that expression, then you don't always need to have a specific mantra or um, words. Um, there's some beautiful ones I put there. Um, inhaling so and exhaling hum is one people often do if their mind is kind of going a little bit busy. Um, transcendental meditation is a highly popular form of mantra meditation. Uh, Oprah and Jerry Seinfeld like it. But TM is a, um, to transcend thought and reach a state of deep brainwave coherence. I want to say that TM is what um, uh, Tina Turner did does too, I believe. And so a lot of times they will give you mantras, Om Mane Padme Hum, I am the jewel and the lotus, kind of different ones like that. So mantra, sometimes people also give you a specific mantra. There's some schools of thought, especially tantric practices where your guru gives you a mantra. And then you practice japa. I don't my mala's in there, but you, every time that you count your mala and you do 108 mala breathwork practice in the morning, then you actually say your mantra. 
every time. We're not going to do that. Um, there's also, you know, if you think about it too, like even in uh, uh, Christianity and other religious thinkings, there's different ways to meditate with prayer. You know, so if you have someone who say, oh, I'm not going to do any meditation because it's a, um, you know, it's a, a Eastern cultural thing and that's not my jam, uh, you know, it's against my religion, it's not. There's all kinds of different ways to get into mindfulness practices. Um, moving meditations like yoga, if someone still is like um, on the spectrum, if you ever heard that word, if they have on the autistic spectrum, or if you feel like you have an adult who's like really hyperactive, um, then, you know, uh, yoga, obviously, is a great one. And um, you can kind of sprinkle in that rich and diverse spirituality into the um, exercise movements of yoga. Um, you could do uh, qigong or tai chi. Has anybody ever tried those martial arts pr practices? Sarah, yeah, they're cool, yeah? They're really neat. You like it? Mm -hmm. I think it's really a great way. You know, you can use it inhale, exhale, inhale, and just practice different kinds of movement things or when you're moving the clouds just to focus on the breath. It's really beautiful. Um, so I don't want you to limit your idea of what meditation needs to be. I need to sit in a comfortable seated position and I need to have my legs crossed. Because what if my knees hurt, right? You know, so have them do movement practices. Um, uh, walking meditation, um, trataka meditation, I think that's about seeing sight. Um, breath ratios and breath work practices are actually um, meditation practices in and of themselves. Like you were talking about with the Shavasana. Um, you know, uh, with little kids, I always say it's rest and dream time because then they can, like, trust their imagination. Um, but Shavasana or Yoga Nidra is a really great way to uh, practice, and especially our culture is really into it right now, positive affirmations, gratitude practices, um, you know, more of that self-help, um, uplifting, optimistic, can-do attitude starts to happen when you do things like yoga nidra? Would Trataka include like the candle gazing? Candle gazing is a great, yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to do candle gazing in this tech, but we're not allowed to light candles anymore, and it doesn't have the same effect with those electric candles. <laughs> yeah, but candle gazing is great for people who don't like to put their tush to the cush, and they feel really weird. Um, about just meditating and just looking at like a spot four feet out in front of them. If you do candle gazing, that helps you to have a focal point. So for someone who's now starting to get comfortable just sitting for several moments at a time, then you give them a candle. It gives them something to do with their, um, uh, their gaze. And in turn, what happens is um, how many limbs are there of yoga? Eight. And the first four are the more gross, the external practices. And then you start to dive deeper into the internal practices where you're, you know, settling into awareness. And um, the first 
limb of the, uh, the um, fifth limb of the eight limb practice is pratyahara, which is sense withdrawal. So when we practice pratyahara, a lot of times when we start talking about that in texts and different workshops that you guys be working on, candle gazing is a great way to teach someone about that focusing inward. Like a moth to a flame, you are starting to get really, really connected through candle gazing to you versus I have to cook dinner or, you know, oh, I'll remember to do that thing for the office or I have to go pick someone up. You start to really focus on what's right there. Uh, and then you can see some, there's some beautiful, beautiful books by um, Pema Chodron, obviously the Dalai Lama. Um, my friend Michael Stone is on here. He passed at, at a young age, but he has a great, great book um, that's yellow. I can't think of it right now, but it's all about how like to translate the ancient practices to today's world. Um, uh, Lama Surya Das. Um, Dan Harris, uh, Jack Cornfield, Deepak Chopra, you all know about. Dan Harris has some really good books. He's even gotten people in Congress to start meditating. Um, Sharon Salzberg. There's great, great books if you're interested. I gave you links to meditation centers in Minneapolis because I loved when you said that, you know, having a community really helps. A lot of people can't start putting their tush to their kush um, without having a community around them. How many of you can practice or have a home practice? Yoga practice. How many of you could do it right away at home? Like, how many of you were able to just practice on your own right away? How many of you needed to go with a group and kind of learn and practice, and then you were able to kind of get to the mat by yourself? It's the same thing with meditation. A lot of times it's much easier to be with a group of like-minded individuals. There's a vibe. There's an energy. There's like, just like why you all go through teacher training with a group of people, you create this really cool sense of community. It's neato. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Thank you. Mark's really good at that. Tergar is becoming very big in Minneapolis. Um, they do a, that's Vipassana also. They're moving into a new center. But there's all kinds of different cool places. Um, and if you have someone who's a friend who meditates, ask them where they go. You know, have them take you with them. It makes life easier. Uh, then... Um, 
there's online resources that I gave you. So if you can't go somewhere, you know, a lot of times like the Chopra Center does 21 meditation challenge, day meditation challenges. Um, uh, Yoga Glow, Gaiam, uh, a, lo a lot of those places do uh, mindfulness uh, seminars online. Um, if you Google um, guided meditation on YouTube, you get so much stuff. And that's really, once you skip the ads, it's, it's amazing, you know. And then you've got meditation apps for your phone that are really fun. And then I also kind of give you, uh, because we are suffering uh, um, disorders or pathologies like anxiety, depression, insomnia, cancer, chronic pain, we have so much stress right now in our population. I started kind of putting there for you what the benefits of meditation are. If someone says, well, why should I do this? This is BS. Then you have some like kind of thing to show them. Um, I think the most important thing right now we're really researching is that um, this idea of happiness or contentment really does happen if you do do your practice. And it, it sets and reframes your day. And like I like when you said that, if I don't meditate in the morning for some reason, I don't know if it's like a jinx or if it's just like, you know, like a woo-woo, like made-up thing in my head, but it totally changes my day if I do or don't do it. It's amazing what happens. And so um, the idea of... Uh, uh, the anxiety and the stress and just kind of that unfuck with ability happens when you really allow yourself to do it during the twilight hours of the morning, before everything starts, before your day gets frenetic. Um, and then in turn, it even says, you know, it'll boost your social life because you're going to meet people. You're going to be able to uh, have that non-judgmental attitude and um, be more in check of your emotions. It increases the gray matter and the um, areas in the brain tied to emotional regulation um, and self-control. And it helps you to pay attention so that that focus and attention allows you to have a better memory or be a better team worker. It gives you that kind of glow as it keeps you real. And, uh, yeah. So what I'd like to try is to do a simple moving meditation experience together. Does anybody have any questions before we start moving? Are we going to need a mat? Huh? Are we going to need a mat for the moving meditation? Mm -mm. No, because we're going to walk. So just kind of push the stuff to the side. How many of you have done a walking meditation before? Oh, cool. Okay. So we're going to walk. So it might be easy. We're going to start off one way and then we're going to start doing something another way. Okay, ready? 
walk around like you're late for your next appointment and you're really flustered and you are kind of wound up and anxious. Go. I know, but you're texting on the phone and you're going to like, oh my god. You're all walking in a normal circle. What are you doing? Oh my god, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Okay. Careful. Freeze. How do you feel? How do you feel? Yeah. How does everybody feel? Stressed. My heart rate is up. Anxious. What was your body feeling like? Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Honestly. What was your body feeling like? Tense. I don't know that I felt my body. I just was moving. I didn't feel my body. I was just moving. Unfocused. Okay. No. We're. Oh, thanks. Oh, sorry. Um. Unfocused. Scattered. Scattered. Who feels like really shitty right now? Right. And what was your body doing? I think shallow breathing. Shallow breathing. I when I stopped, I was kind of, not panting, but shallow breathing. Yeah. Or you feel separate from your body because you're thinking about your destination. Right, right. You're kind of hunched forward. Yeah. So when I lived in New York and I worked downtown on 57, people always walked like this with their head before their bodies, and they were always on high heels because you had to look good, but... They were always like this. They were just like storks, really disconnected, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now what we're going to do is notice. For some reason, you all wanted to walk in a circle already, but now we're really going to walk in a circle. So we're going to be less erratic. So find whoever's near you and turn to the right. Okay, so we're making kind of a nice circle, and all you're doing is you inhale with your one foot. And you exhale, heel to toe. Inhale with the other foot. Exhale, heel to toe. Inhale. Exhale. Inhaling. (coughs) Exhaling. Observe your body. Observe your hands. Notice the breath. And let's take our right palm facing up so that the right pinky finger edge is underneath the belly button. Take the left hand and place it on top. And touch your thumbs together. Now notice the structure of your shoulders. We can make the circle wider. There's a lot of us, so... Observe the spine. As your hands are in this position, have you become more aware of your shoulders and the expression of your shoulders? Has your breathing started to slow down? Or are you stuck on the thought of, is this Frickin' person gonna move faster in front of me. Okay. Now just be the breath. 
feel this really nice, easy space. So Thich Nhat Hanh always has this quote, I love how you're supposed to walk like your feet are kissing the earth. Feel that integrity and intelligence of the breath. And then relax. Release your hands and just turn to the center of the circle. Feel the experience of breathing with 
someone else. How this meditation practice changes the awareness of your internal world. This is a great way of practicing that metta, that loving compassion and kindness. Feel that loving kindness as it spreads, not just to you, honoring yourself, but also share that compassion and kindness with your partner in meditation. Send them those positive, radiant vibes from your heart as you simply breathe. every cell and every atom of your body reconfiguring because of this support. This incredible sensation because truly someone has your back and you are safe. Observe that completeness in your being. And then real calmly, take your palms and bring them in front of your heart. And rub your palms together as fast, as fast, as fast as you can. <clears throat> take the warmth of your hands over your eyes. And on your next exhale, release your hands, gaining a whole fresh new perspective on your day. Mm -hmm. And then slowly stand up. <coughs> and turn to your friend, and be careful with your Take your right, pretend I'm two different people. Take your right grip to your friend's right wrist. Take your left grip to your friend's left wrist. And then walk back, 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 back. So you're in a down, standing down dog. This is how you're thanking each other for this nice practice. So really pull your touchies back to get a good stretch. And then slowly come on back up.
So make your way back to your mats. All right, how did that experience of meditating literally with someone else feel? when they're in this space of compression, they're, they're protecting their front part, right? So they're like kind of stuck in their tummies. When you open up and breathe with someone else, and we're just doing everything for little, little tiny pieces, but you kind of get a sense of how like comforting and um, accepting and nurturing something so simple as just breathing back to back with someone is. Cool? Awesome. Okay, so now we are going to try to um, do a very quick seated meditation and a very simple um, body scan after that. So how many of you uh, still have not uh, done any mindfulness practices, like meditation? I've never meditated. Well, that we have today, but okay. <laughs> So we are going to practice sitting in a comfortable position. One of the things that I really want to make aware and apparent to everybody is that not everybody's knees were created equal, right? And because of that, not everybody's um, able to sit the way that um, you, know, you might expect them to because your body can do that. Just like in the yoga mat, you want to meet people where they're at at that day. So they might need props. If you're in an office environment, you uh, obviously can sit in chairs. If you're at a school setting, chairs are awesome too. Sometimes the kids might need to literally lay down to get the full extent of the relaxation. But let's just say all of our knees are pretty good. You have two different options of what you can do. You can sit with a block as a prop. You always want your hips a little bit higher than your knees because when your knees are not comfortable, then you start to really do damage to the ligaments and tendons around them. So you want to have your hips a little bit higher than your knees, and then you take your ankles so that they are stacked in front of each other. It depends on what feels comfortable. I highly recommend you don't do a half lotus or a full lotus because I know people who have done that and now for 30 years are suffering now in this time of life with uh, knee issues. So unless you, uh, our body is conditioned to it and you are um, someone who is very um, mobile, I would be really careful of your knees. If that isn't comfortable and you have already know you have knee issues, you can sit in hero's pose with your knees forward um, and your toes reaching back. But you don't want your toes going to the sides. You want to make sure your toes are going back. And you want to be comfortable. As your hands are on top of the legs, your palms, when they face down, it's intended that you're circulating the energy through yourself. If your palms are facing up, you're drawing in what you need. If your shoulders feel 
like they round too much forward. That's why another reason it's great to have your hands on your legs like this. And then your elbows just relax by the side of your body so that you can truly cultivate the seeds of mindfulness and plant them because now your tubers, your ischial tuberosities, your little sits bones are hopefully in line with your shoulders. You still wanna keep the natural curve in your neck. You still wanna keep the natural curve in your spine. You just want to be present to the moment-to-moment -moment awareness of the breath. And then you want to have your eyes in the way that I was taught, not fully closed and not fully open, but in that middle ground. Almost like there's paintings that have this treatment called sfumato, where things are a little bit cloudy. Your tongue is soft. Some people like to touch the tongue to the roof of the mouth. It just depends on how um, due diligent you want to be. But you are giving yourself the opportunity to allow the amrita, the sweet nectar of the breath, to move through you. Every inhale and every exhale, you're offering yourself to just tap into the self-healing practice of breath. Feel compassion versus contemplation. So just let your thoughts go. Inhaling and exhaling. Be attentive and aware of your body. Everything starts to slow down and start to really tap in and tune into the rhythm of your heart. As you start to gain this new perspective, observe your mind, but remember you're not a slave to it, you're just being present. <clears throat> Feel if your breath is jagged or rough, or if it's already smooth. But notice as you start to release the mind drama, you become more kind with your breath. Every inhale and every exhale, feel that calming nature of a conscious active breath. You're simply breathing and you're simply being. And you find when you're just breathing, time and space start to lose their boundaries and every cell and tissue and fiber starts to feel a profound joy. And your breath, your inner fire, starts to warm your heart. And as you inhale and exhale, feel any blockage energetically 
emotionally, <coughs> physically. All those obstructions start to become released. And every breath you take You feel connected and whole. You feel that incredible superpower. In the presence of being. Feel the breath as it heals your ankles. And you can exhale the toxins through your toes. Feel your calves and your knees and your femur bones. Supple and strong as you inhale and exhale. Feel that cultivation of mindfulness as you nurture the pelvic floor and your hips with a really pure breath. And as you fill up the pelvic floor with breath, Sense the diaphragm as it truly does move and massage and release those energetic blockages with every inhale and every cathartic exhale. Feel the harmony in your heart, north, south, east, west, front and back, top, bottom, side to side. Every part of your heart, every sacred sight is delighted to be. And feel this warmth and radiance broaden your shoulders and your clavicles and almost like a waterfall from a fresh morning dew, as your spine is long, like the stem of a flower, feel the breath softly roll off your shoulders like a waterfall. And just like the morning dew, Feel your arms and your elbows and your wrists and the tips of your fingers, golden and radiant in the sunshine of the breath. Simply inhaling and simply exhaling. Observe how your inner fire 
has lengthened your neck and allowed your skull to blossom into being. The inner fire of the breath has allowed you to tap into wisdom, not words. And your tongue softens. And that sweet nectar of the breath allows your teeth and your jaw to let go of any tension or unnecessary words that hold you back. Inhale and exhale. As you really tap into the prajna, that inner brightness of wisdom, intelligence, and understanding, which relaxes the furrow in your brow, softens the eyes as they rest in your sockets, and expands your mind in incredible ways. So that subconsciously, you are tuning in to that heartfelt desire and your authenticity. Inhale and exhale, feeling this incredible soothing energy, sweet, steady, and simple, allowing you to be. And as you inhale and exhale, feel yourself truly present with this deep, conscious, active breath. as you find the contentment and joy of this moment. Begin to calmly With your eyes still softly focused, start to take and bring your hands in front of your heart. And as your palms are in the Anjali Mudra, really feel the mindfulness you've created as you've planted the seed to awaken to your true nature. And as you feel that um, warmth in your hands, the glow that emanates from your heart bright, bring your hands to your forehead for right thought, your hands to your mouth for right speech, and your hands back to your heart for right action, so that the merits of your practice 
benefit you, but also the merits of your practice benefit all human beings that you come in contact with off the mat. Loka samasta sukinom bhavantu. May all beings everywhere be happy, peaceful, and free. Namaste.